Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, where we can look into the world of Royal Caribbean Cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 499. I'm back from my first Royal Caribbean cruise in Europe, my first cruise in Europe in general. And this week, I'm actually sharing a review of my Anthem of the Seas Norwegian Fjords cruise that I recorded while on board Anthem of the Seas. Here we go. I'm wrapping up my first European cruise that I've ever taken. I'm actually recording this episode while in my cabin on Anthem of the Seas. It's actually day six. We just left Bergen, so I've got a seat ahead of me. But I feel pretty confident that at this point, I can kind of summarize my thoughts of a Norway cruise and share with all of you on this week's episode kind of my thoughts on it and, and European cruising and a lot of different things. And I thought it was important to record it now while a lot of it is still very much fresh in my head. I'm actually spending probably the next... 24 hours or so, not only packing, but also kind of putting together my thoughts because obviously there's a lot to unpack. Uh, you've got a European cruise, my first one ever. You've got the Norway cruise. You've got the travel things, nuances. I mean, there's, there's a lot that's happening here. But needless to say, my European cruise, my, my Norway cruise specifically, was wonderful. I really enjoyed it. And it was exactly what I wanted. That's always important, I think, when you book any kind of cruise is that you have an idea in mind as to what the cruise is going to entail. Certainly, there'll be some surprises along the way. I'm not here to tell you that I can anticipate every single thing that happened, but I had this idea in my head of what a Norway cruise was, and it certainly delivered on that. Um, you know, and, and so I'm very, very pleased with how it all went down. And I think for this episode, I'm going to primarily focus on the actual cruise. I mean, there's a lot of things we can talk about, including transportation, getting from the United States over to Europe, traveling within Europe, and um, some of the other things there. But, you know, in order to keep this episode from not just being this run-on episode that goes on forever, I think we'll focus purely on the cruise aspect. And certainly there may be another follow-up episode where we talk about getting back and forth and traveling and uh, of course, there'll be articles on realcoreanblog.com, so I really recommend you check that out because I'll be posting a lot over there. All right, so the Anthem of the Seas Cruise, embarkation was super simple. Uh, actually, <laughs> we're going to back it up already uh, because how did I get to the cruise port in Southampton? I ended up taking the train down from London, and a lot of people recommended taking the train from London to Southampton because of possible traffic issues. The one issue for me was that there was a train strike in London the day before I was supposed to go. And it was just a little unclear as to whether or not it would impact us. It did not impact our train. So I purchased my train a couple days beforehand via the train app, the train line app, purchased it pretty easy. And then going on the train, you know, it was just a matter of finding the closest station. There's a number of different stations in London you can go to that have trains. And I went to the Waterloo station and having a lot of experience with trains in the U.S. out of like Grand Central Station in New York City. It's a very similar experience. You get to the main area, you look at the board, you find where your train is going from, and go. Initially, there was a bit of a delay. It said it was delayed. I was like, oh gosh, here we go, right? It only ended up being delayed like five minutes or something, so not a big deal. Anyway, got on the train. actually purchased a first-class ticket. I got to be honest with you, I don't think it really mattered. <laughs> I don't know that it really made that much of a difference. In fact, I think the first-class car was almost entirely Americans probably thinking the same thing. Granted, I didn't walk through the other cars to really know the difference, but it was not like, when you think first class, trust me, I think all there was maybe was in more leg space, I'm guessing, but the train ride was fine. It took about two hours, I think, because it was a Sunday. It was more of a local train. So whatever the case may be, we made it down there. 
I got kind of turned around out of the cruise, out of the train terminal, because out of the train station, it's a short walk to the cruise terminal. It's about a 10-minute walk, or you take a taxi. And I thought, well, I have luggage, so I just thought I would take a taxi and, and go there. But the side I got off at, at the station didn't have any taxis there. And rather than try to get back to the other side, I, I don't know what I, I started just walking. And then I realized, well, I'm out of the train station. There's no taxis around. And it's a long walk. And it was actually unseasonably warm there. So uh, I admit, what I ended up doing was actually I went, got to a parking lot of a store because I had no idea where I was going. And I took out my phone, opened up Uber, ordered an, an Uber. And within about two minutes, my Uber was there. It was a very short ride. But, you know, it just made my life a little bit easier. In retrospect, and after, actually I got one eye on the ship, I could see exactly the path. It's not that far of a walk. I just, again, didn't know where I was going. So when I got turned around, I just thought to myself, you know what? This seems like a problem I can throw money at. <laughs> and the Uber ride was very inexpensive. I think it was like, you know, 10 or $15. So really not bad at all. So anyway, suffice to say, very happy with that. Getting to the train station, the, sorry, the cruise terminal was super easy. In fact, I'm going to say the cruise terminal was the check-in process was extremely easy, surprisingly easy. I've always been leery of like non—I don't say non-traditional cruise ports because Southampton definitely is one. But um, you know, you know, w- with the advent of like you know these new cruise terminals in the U.S., like in Miami and Galveston and Port Canaveral, you know, they set a new standard for the check-in process. And I've been to other ports that don't have these new terminals, and it's really hit or miss. Um, but. Southampton was phenomenal. I got there a little after 11. I don't think it was quite 11.30. Let's call it 11.15, 11.20. They walked right in. Uh, there was The line kept moving. Um, they There was no wait. Um, by the time I got through security, they were already boarding the ship. So I just kept on going. And so for really from curb to ship took me, gosh, seven minutes. And probably three of those minutes were taken up waiting for a – going through the security line, like the, the bag screening stuff, the x-ray machine. But it was very easy, uh, a, a real delight. Um, the luggage drop-off was easy. You know, it's interesting because I had taken a cruise last in Los Angeles at the end of 2021, I believe. And that was a disaster. And this was, like, phenomenally better. So I was anticipating it being bad or slow, and it was neither. So that was super good. And then uh, on board Anthem of the Seas, I had a balcony room. So one of the th- things I've talked about on other cruises related to Alaska, and there's going to be a lot of comparisons to Alaska. I think it's a very um, common comparison. I think a lot of people draw those lines. And um, we'll probably end up doing, I'm definitely doing an article about it at realcreamblog.com between Alaska and Norway. But, um, you know, in, in Alaska, I the, the first time I ever went to Alaska, we had a balcony cab. And I thought, you know what, it was kind of, not really worth it in the sense that, you know, we could have saved, you know, a lot of money by booking an inside room and then using that saved money to book awesome excursions. Then I went to Alaska last summer and we had a window view. So it wasn't a it wasn't a balcony. It was just like a panoramic window view. And I didn't love it as much as I thought I would. It was good, but I did miss being able to, number one, get the, the breeze, like just being able to go outside and, ah, it's cold. Ah, it's warm, right? That's kind of nice. But also, the problem with the window is you can't really see around you. Like, when you go out on a balcony, you can stick your head out left, you can stick your head out right, get a better sense of what's around you. Um, and, the, and the window didn't really do that. So I kind of thought, even though I was by myself on this cruise, and I should have mentioned that at the top of the episode, I was solo on this cruise. Even though I was solo, I thought the balcony was still worth it because the, well, number one, we're, this is the first Norwegian cruise of the year. For Anthem, so the prices were pretty good on this cruise. In fact, some of the cabins were 
um, not even sold until like the last couple days beforehand. So uh, the, the the prices were pretty good on the sale, and that, that helped a lot. But also I thought that being able to spend more time on the balcony and uh, whether I have my laptop out there, I'm doing work, whether I'm just, you know, we're sailing into port and I want to enjoy the view, it proved to be a very good decision. Um, it's just nice to have it. It's not essential. And I know a lot of people on this cruise who I met who stayed in inside cabins and had a great time. It's just nice to have it. And in this situation in which the pricing was competitive, again, because it's the first cruise of the season, this holds true, by the way, for any season you're going to, whether it's Norway, Alaska, Europe, um, anywhere else, Australia. If you go in the very beginning or very end of the cruise season, you can often find really good rates because there's far less demand. Remember, kids are still in school in early May, and this was the case even with my kids. That's why they didn't come with me. So demand is lower, and that means being able to uh, enjoy those those benefits, certainly. Anyway, I did the um, – I had the balcony, and throughout the cruise, I used it way more than I ever use it in Alaska, to be perfectly honest with you, just because I think I was alone, and I didn't know anyone on board, so I was more reliant on my cabin. That was something I did not anticipate beforehand, but because I knew nobody on the cruise, my wife wasn't with me, I had no friends on board that I knew ahead of time, right? There were obviously some blog readers on, which was great to meet them, but I didn't have a social uh, arrangement ahead of time. So I was in my room more than I probably would have been on another cruise. And because it was not hot out, I found it comfortable to be on the balcony. Sometimes it was cold and I would take my jacket out, obviously. In fact, almost every time I took my jacket. But I I mean, it it was cold, but, but comfortable. Like I could tolerate it and I enjoyed it. And there were many times in which I was sat out there with my laptop doing my work for realcarbonblog.com and just took in the, the the scenery, quite frankly. And it was nice, especially when you, we were docked or during the middle of the cruise in which we were sailing in and out of fjords. It was really nice. Probably the best was in Geranger where we had um, just unbelievable views of the waterfalls and the scenery around us. At first, I went up to the top deck. But the top deck, which had obviously sweeping views, was very was much colder because the wind was unencumbered up there. Whereas my balcony, um, the wind is less of an issue because my balcony is set in. There's you know it's the there's you know walls around, so I found it more enjoyable to actually be there without feeling overly cold because I'm, I can deal with the cold temperatures, but the cold wind makes it seem far colder. Anyway, balcony was a good investment. Speaking of investments, though, that was not good is the key. Yes, I bought the key again. You all probably have heard me talk about the key many, many times. Why I'm not a big fan of it, but I bought it again because I wanted to, again, I haven't bought in a while. I wanted to see what it was all about, if anything changed, because you never know. Sometimes things do change here at Royal Caribbean, and, you know, I want to make sure I'm on top of it. Anyway, uh, it was the sum of all my fears. Uh, The key just sounds better than it really is. And, you know, you can go down, actually... I'm going to move my microphone in one second. I can see the key sheet over here. So this is the benefits that you get. And I'm going to tell you why every single of these benefits is either not as good as it sounds or completely useless. Um, so the first one, of course, is the drop-off carry-on luggage at Deck 3, uh, which is actually one of the best benefits that they have. Uh, I love this benefit because you actually get um, the time to, when you get on board the ship, any carry-on luggage you can drop off, which is nice, especially when you have kids. And if my kids were here, this might have been different. And I had a very heavy backpack with me, but... Um, again, this is a benefit. The rooms were ready at, it's at 1.30. I think the rooms actually didn't get ready until 2 o'clock. But I got on board about 11.30. So that means 12.30, 1.30. So two and a half hours of that benefit. That's it. Okay. Um, the welcome lunch on deck three in the main dining room, which has the Chops Grill menu. 
I so this is a map thing, and I freely admit this. I don't eat steak, so the menu doesn't appeal to me um, that much. I didn't go there. I actually went to the Windjammer instead. It's nice, but you can buy. You can go to Chops on Embarkation Day and go there yourself. Heck, if you have a dining package, the unlimited dining package, or either one, you can go there and enjoy Chops on day one and get the same meal, better meal, because I think the menu is actually a little bit larger. But you know, you can get that benefit as well. Uh, the private hours of the ship activities. This is the worst benefit that Royal Caribbean has of the key. What do I mean? Well, it's, it sounds great because you get private time at things like the Flowrider and the bumper cars and the rock wall. This is great, Matt. Okay, well, here's the hours, okay? I'm reading off the sheet here. Day two, which is a sea day, the Flowrider from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. What happens between 5 and 6 p.m. on most, especially on a sea day? That's right. You're getting ready for dinner or you're at dinner. So... And it's also colder at that time. If you're going to go on the flow rider, you want to go in the afternoon when it's warmer out. Day, day six, bumper cars in Bergen, 5.30 to 6. Now, this one, uh, again, there was two problems. One is that we were in Bergen, but actually by 5.30 we were gone out of Bergen. We left at 2, so that's not an issue. But the same issue with the flow rider. 5.30 to 6. What's happening at 5.30 to 6? It's dinner time. And then day seven was the rock wall at 11 to 12, 11 a.m. to noon. Again, rock wall is not a very competitive activity. It's not, there's rarely lines for it. It's a good time. I'm not going to deny that. But it's not the kind of activity you're like, ooh, I want to have special access to that. That's it, by the way. Three things. Granted, there's no water slides on this ship, but you get my point. It's still not as good as it sounds. Other benefits of the key. Uh, you get, uh, of course, the Voom internet package, which which I definitely use and um, is, is a nice thing. Seats in the exclusive VIP seating section in the Royal Theater and 270. This sounds like a really good benefit until you realize the reserve seating is always in the back. Not a great spot. Just because you have reserve seating doesn't mean it's a good seat. It's just, yeah, not great. And then there's the a la carte breakfast um, on the last morning of the cruise from 6.30 to 8 o'clock. I mean, you can get breakfast elsewhere on the ship. I'm not sure why this is so great. Anyway, the key is not worth it. I'm telling you right now, it sound the it sound when you read it on the website. Ooh, this sounds great. It's not worth it. It's just it's not. You can get similar benefits. I didn't mention the check-in time, the earlier check-in time. Again, uh, you can get your own early check-in time by simply being uh, on the spot when the new check-in times are, are available, which is uh, 45 days before the cruise. Go on the Royal Caribbean web app, not the website, the app. Uh, go in there, get your check-in time, and you're good to go. All right, so let's talk about the ports. Because we went to four ports on this cruise, starting with uh, Hagasund. So for Hagasund, I booked a Royal Caribbean excursion that took us to the uh, fjord. Um, this was actually one of my top priorities on this cruise. I really wanted to make sure that I got to fjords. This was very important to me because I wanted to make sure that we did this. So I booked the uh, Akrafjord and Langfoss waterfall. It was from 7.30 a.m. to 2.30 p.m. It's a long one. That's because there was commute time between, uh, it was like an hour and a half, two hours to get from our port in Hagesund over to Akrafjord. But this was probably, well, I mean, Geringer, Geringer, I don't know, I'm sorry, the pronunciation is different in Norwegian. Anyway, that one was awesome, but Akrafjord was, we had the best weather for it because it was sunny and it was astonishing. So basically, you took a bus, they drove you out to uh, Akrafjord where you boarded a boat. It was a ferry boat, not like, not like a little small boat, but like a ferry boat, so you know, a couple decks to it. And they took you out in the water, and we went right up to Langfoss Waterfall, and we took them around the fjord. It was 
absolutely beautiful. I mean, it was sunny, which really benefited us because we never saw the sun for the rest of the cruise. But um, it was it was sunny. It was wonderful. They actually took us right to the waterfall. I'm saying, like, we were close enough that the captain put out a bucket to take water from the waterfall, and then he passed out uh, cups of water. You could actually drink it, um, which was – it was really beautiful, great start. Um, this was a wonderful excursion. Now, what's interesting is afterwards we went to a lunch at a local farm. Now, listen, I've done a lot of Royal Caribbean excursions, and I've gone to a lot of lunches on Royal Caribbean excursions. Every single – lunch I've ever done on a Royal Caribbean excursion, I'm pretty, I, I, I feel pretty accurate in saying this, has been terrible. Um, I can't tell you how many lunches I've been on, on on shore excursions through the cruise line that have had just awful buffets and just awful food and blah, blah, blah. So I went into this thinking, all right, this is going to be terrible, but we're going back to the ship. I'll be able to get a late lunch. It'll be fine. This was amazing food. This was a legit local farm, not like some tourist trap place. This was a local family who lived there for like hundreds of years and they sourced all their food locally. Some of the stuff they made themselves, some of the stuff they got from like down the road. The only thing on the menu that wasn't local was they had fruit that they obviously came from like Barcelona. But um, the they had goat cheese, they had salmon, they had uh, roasted potatoes, they had a stew, and all of it was made fresh. I mean, when they say fresh, you know, whatever, it was fresh. I mean, the salmon was phenomenal. Kind of wish I had some right now. Uh, they had a traditional Norwegian uh, brown goat cheese, which is a different preparation. It was really good. I, I really was so impressed. And the best part of the lunch was not only the food, you had, I went out, there's a little patio, and you could sit on the patio, because this farm was right on the fjord. And you could look at the fjord, see the waterfall, eat your lunch. Oh, it was so good. I, I just can't undersell how awesome this was. This was with the Royal Caribbean. The problem with this tour is it's a long bus ride. It's like 90 minutes to two hours uh, each way. So you're spending most of your time there. You do make a couple stops along the way just to break up the monotony, including uh, a bathroom stop at a gas station, which actually the gas station was attached to a supermarket, so I actually ended up getting some gifts from my kids over there. Anyway, um, you know, it was nice. And actually, we ended it at a local monument for a Viking king. Kind of neat. I mean, I probably would have just shaved that off and gone straight back to the ship personally. But um, that was a good day in, in Hagesund. In Gerengir, so Gerengir is a port. It's kind of like, it's the closest thing to Alaska you're going to find. In the sense that in the morning, from like 6 a.m. to noon, you're sailing into the fjord. So remember, in Hagesund, we had to, the, we were in Hagesund, which is a city, and then we drove to a fjord. In this case, our ship sailed through the fjord. And this is the first time it actually looked like Alaska, because in Hagesund, it didn't look like Alaska at all. But here you have a fjord, um, and you, your ship is sailing through there. There's these tall, mountainous walls that surround you. Uh, obviously, it was May, so there was still snow on the top of the mountains, and it was... Uh, it was a very long process, very similar to when you go through the Dawes Glacier and the Inside Passage in Alaska. It was a very lovely time. Um, I was out for, I woke up early to see it. I did about an hour of it, and then I said, okay, well, this is just like Alaska. It's very pretty, but I'm very tired because I woke up early, and I'm going to see. I'm going to I'm gonna go back inside, have breakfast, Take I actually took a nap. But um, the one thing you want to see is Seven Sisters, which is the very famous waterfall. The good news is Seven Sisters is right near the town of Gerenger. It's very confusing because Gerenger is the name of the town and Gerenger Fjord is the name of the fjord. Anyway, um, the good news is the waterfall was near the town. So basically in that last hour, everyone's up at 11 o'clock, you could see it. 
which was nice. And um, so we saw that the ship docked at noon. Uh, we, do we docked at every single port. There was no tenders for our particular cruise. And um, then we had some time. So my excursion, I'd originally booked it for like 12. We docked at noon, and I had a, booked it for like 12.30, a rib boat, which is uh, kind of like a Zodiac boat. Uh, unfortunately, Royal Caribbean gave me a letter earlier that cruise telling me, by the way, it's going to be delayed uh, to 3 o'clock. Okay. So I got off the ship, and I said, I'll just walk around and kind of see what's about and then you know, wait some time until my tour. The problem with that little plan was the – there was a lot more time to, to kill than I thought, number one. Number two, there's nothing to do in this town. This is a very, very, very small town. So really, if you didn't have a tour booked, you'd really be out of luck. Um, this was kind of a theme for many of the ports we were going to. Anyway, um, so what I ended up doing, at first I thought there was a there was a place you could rent electric cars. And I got off like, I was like one of the first people off the ship. So I saw this was an electric car thing, which you could have booked ahead of time. I did not. But I got there. And they said you needed to have your driver's license in order to rent one. It's a two-passenger, super-duper small electric car, which could take you to the really famous photo spot at the top of the fjord. And I was like, well, I don't have it. And they actually would have settled for a photo of it. I could not find for the life of me any photos on my email, my driver's license. So I sat there, and I hummed and hawed and said, you know what? I'm just going to go back to the ship. I hate doing this, but I'm going to go back to the ship, get my driver's license, come back out. Okay. Because what else I got to do, right? So I go back to the ship, get my driver's license, come back out again. By this point, the line is ridiculously long. And it's like, I, I sit in it for about 20 minutes. And then it's not going anywhere. Because the problem is, there's two lines now. One for people with reservations, one without. And people with reservations keep on coming in and keep superseding our line. So I was like, you know what? Forget about it. I'm just going to, I'll come back later. So I spent the morning, uh, first I went for a little walk. I won't call it a hike. It was just a, around the waterfront area. There were most people were going for the hike up to the top of the fjord. I thought better of getting a blister on di on the beginning of the cruise, and I thought I'd have a chance at the electric car later. So I decided, nope, I'm going to skip that. I'm going to go uh, just for a little walk. There's a little, little hiking trail that went around the waterway, so it was about half an hour. Um, you could keep going. I just kind of stopped at that point. I was like, this is good. I still got to make my way back. Came back into uh, Garenger, and then there was a there's few restaurants, very few. Um, there was a cafe, I got a sandwich and a brownie and a soda and, you know, ate my lunch. And then I kind of spent the rest of the morning, or early afternoon at this point, kind of just meandering around, taking in the views. It was very pretty. Finally, 3 o'clock was my time for my excursion. This is a rib boat. This is booked through Royal Caribbean, although you could book this one on your own. In fact, the company that does the excursion sells it to other people. So if you just search for... Garanger um, rib boat, I'm sure. It's the only company there that does them, so it's got to be the same one, and it's probably cheaper. Anyway, book the uh, rib boat, in which they put you in these uh, water wind, water and wind, I don't know if it's waterproof, it's windproof suits. They put you on these boats, you go like super fast out to the fjord, you go back out to basically the Seven, sea, Seven Sisters waterfall, see the waterfall, see a couple things around there, and then zip on back. The whole thing's about an hour. I think on the water, if we were on there for half an hour, I think that's being generous with the time. I think it was less than that. So it was nice. I think that my, I had a good time. I probably regret this tour only because I saw the Seven Sisters waterfall on the way in. I saw the Seven Sisters waterfall on the way out when the ship left, and it's actually easier to see on the way out because, you know, you don't have to wake up early for it. And, you know, it's, it's very quick once you leave. You're going to see it almost immediately. By the way, when we sailed in, I should have mentioned this, the ship actually spun around and did a 360 so everybody could see it. Um... It was cool being on the water. That's the advantage. You get to be on the water, so it's a different vantage point than being on the ship. 
But I was hoping for more, like, oh, maybe I'll see something I didn't really see from the ship. No, I mean, they kind of took us around. It was nice. Don't get me wrong. I didn't hate it. I just was like, well, I've already seen the waterfall because I saw it on the ship earlier. So, yeah, okay. Lesson learned. Whatever. Not the worst time. But anyway, I got back. And then at this point, this is like now 4 o'clock. And we were in town till I forgot now what time we were in town, till like 7, maybe. So I go to the... Maybe it was like, no, it was earlier, it was like 5.30. Anyway, I go back to the car place, and sure enough, there's no line anymore. Everyone has done it earlier in the day. So I was able to get a car, did an hour. You can rent it by the hour. It was uh, 90, it roughly was about $95 for the hour. It's and again, they just give you the keys. There's no insurance. They take care of it. It's, it's, it's really easy. And uh, you drive up this very windy road to, you can rent it for up to three hours. I did the one-hour tour because I didn't have time to do the longer one. Would have loved to do done the longer one. In fact, if I could go back in time, I would have canceled the rib boat, booked this on my own because the electric car, I believe, is only available through them. You can't book it through Royal. And uh, anyway, I would have done that. But took it up there. It's got my awesome photos, which, you know, are, are re required pretty much. And uh, it was nice. It was a very nice way to spend my day. And I would definitely do that one again because I really thought it was uh, a great way to spend the day. So that was it in uh, Geringer. Over in Olden, Olden was very interesting. Um, I did not know what to expect here. This is another small town. I booked the Brickstill Glacier. So this is a four-hour tour. It basically, is a bus ride that takes you to the Brickstill Glacier Park. And then at the park, you go for a hike up to the glacier. So it's about a 45-minute hike to the glacier. It's on your own. I was worried at first we were going to go, like, there was, like, you know, I don't know, 30 of us on the bus. Like, all 30 of us were going to go, like, in tandem, like, hold, not holding hands, but... Like, oh, gosh, you know. Anyway, they basically were like, all right, we're dropping you off here. Be back here at this time. Good luck. Uh, it takes about 45 minutes to get up there and about 20 or so to get back because the way back, you can cheat and take uh, a different way up there. So anyway, I'm looking around. And I'm not a hiker, by the way. Um, I'm This is not my thing. I, I just want to be outdoors. I want to see the glacier. That was important to me. So I, I'm thinking to myself, well, I'm looking around people on my tour. There's some older folks. There's kids. I got this, right? I even bought some, you know, new hiking gear. I'm fine. This will be easy. The path was insane. Not insanely. It was very, very steep. Almost immediately, you have to start going up pretty steep inclines to get some elevation because it's just, it's just very, I don't know what angle it was, but it was not a leisurely walk. Like, if you've done... In once again, I'll compare this to Alaska. If you get to Mendenhall Glacier Park and you do the Nugget Falls Trail, it's all mostly flat, barely an incline. This was stairs, you know, rock stairs, hills. Um, there were many times in which I had to stop and like, okay, I need to catch my breath here because I this is tough. Now you could cheat a little bit and instead book a book a troll car, which is what they call it. It's these like nine passenger, I want to say open air jeeps that take you up the mountain they take about 90 percent of the way if i had taken my kids my family on and said no you could have done the hike after about 100 or 200 feet they would have abandoned me and run back to the troll car the troll car did cost extra whereas hiking is free anyway i did the hike i was proud of myself i did it it wasn't like i was dying or anything like that i just it was more intense than i thought but it was a good challenge i enjoyed it. and then you get to the glacier and it's absolutely beautiful there's this lake that I don't know, lake is probably a strong word. Pond, anyway, it's a water container area, and you have the glacier that you can see. The glacier is not nearly as impressive as the glaciers in Alaska, primarily because the glacier has retreated so much 
that very little of it is viewable, but it was still pretty neat. And the, the park was amazing. Um, the, the weather actually was nice. It started out cloudy, uh, never rained, thankfully. And then the sun came out here and there, and it was just a, it was a nice day. And it was, just, you know, it was a nice walk. And the way back was actually even more interesting because on the way back, I took the troll car path because it was just um, less of an incline, if you will. But it was also a different path. I didn't want to walk back the same way. I already, I already seen all that stuff. I want to see different things. Anyway, what was nice was that everyone was hiking up the mountain. So it was kind of quiet and, and serene by myself on the way back. So I enjoyed that aspect of it. And they had a special little snack. They, I think they call it like a, a lunch. It wasn't. It was just some cakes and whatnot. You could have a cup of coffee um, waiting for you at the end. And then, of course, the ride back in. Um, the problem, I, I'll talk about this now, Olden and... Um, uh, Geringer and even Hagesund. Um, the food in Norway was very disappointing. Um, I mean, probably the part of the problem is in many of these towns, especially in Geringer and Olden, these are very small towns that had very little infrastructure. So you really weren't getting much to begin with. But even when we went to Bergen, which is a city, the food, most of the food honestly was pizza and burgers, which is not bad food, but it's not like, hey, you know, it's like when I go to Mexico and Cozumel, I love eating local food there, right? Um, Norwegian, traditional Norwegian food, obviously, is a lot of cold fish, um, a lot of herring, and um, maybe not my favorite foods to begin with, but I found a lot of the menus being, like, you know, leaning heavily, like, there's a lot of pizzerias, I've never seen so much pizza in my life outside of, you know, well, the U.S. or Italy, which is fine, I like pizza, but I was just hoping for a little bit more, so I was a little disappointed with the food in Norway, granted, I'm not sure what I expected, the the cafes are probably the best thing about Norwegian food, because you get a cup of coffee and a nice... Uh, bread or a Danish or some sort of pastry, and that was very good. And then lastly, that left us to Bergen. Bergen, I did not book anything through Royal Caribbean. Uh, I did some research and basically found out you don't need to book anything through Royal Caribbean. The only thing I did book ahead of time was the car ride up to the top of the mountain called the Floyan. I'm definitely not pronouncing that correctly. But basically, it takes you to the top vantage points. You get to the top of the city. You can purchase it ahead of time through their website. It was much cheaper than Royal Caribbean. And I can only say this. If you're going to do this, it's it's great, wonderful. Go early. We got off the ship <clears throat> very, very early. Um, I, I, somehow, I think we docked at 7.30. I woke up at 7.30. So I was off the ship by 8. And I went straight there. There was no line. When I got down, the line was huge. And there were already all the tour groups were showing up there. So uh, I think I was lucky in that. But you get to the top of the mountain. Very beautiful. There were goats over there. Um a really pretty view. You know, it's like, depending on how much time you get. If you got kids, there's a little playground. Maybe you'll spend an hour up there. I think it's probably more like 30 minutes other than just taking in the view, you know, as, as you see fit. And then I went to Bergen itself, and I just explored the city. I wish, uh, this is real, well, I wish my family was with me the entire trip, but it would have been nicer to have them with us because this is a good shopping opportunity. And you can only buy so many souvenirs for your family without them actually being there. Like, there's certain things you can buy they don't need to be there for. But, Clothing, jewelry, you need the person there to see what it looks like on them. Anyway, there. so I kind of walked around and, you know, just explored some of the different shops and walked through. They have beautiful parks, and that was very, very nice. We were also there very limited hours. We were there from 730 to 2, which is a, is unfortunate because Bergen is a big city. There's enough to do here longer. And we were in Olden from, like, 9 to 5, which is there's nothing to do in Olden other than whatever tour you have booked. Anyway, I wish we could have flip-flopped that because I thought that was a mistake. But, um. It is what it is, and um, we had a. It, it was still nice, but I was exhausted. I was just tired. <laughs> I woke up very early, and uh, did my thing over there. And you know, it was it was a nice day. 
Um, I wish I had more time to spend more time in Bergen. Like, you know, if we had been there, because a lot of things don't even open until, you know, gosh, 9, 10 o'clock in the morning. So it would have been nice if we could have really been there for, I did an early lunch, which we could have been there a little later for a real lunch, but it was great. I mean, overall, the Norway delivered on exactly what I wanted. Beautiful scenery, uh, very comfortable, weather. not hot weather. I'll put it this way. I don't like hot weather. I prefer cold weather. What? How cold was it? Primarily, the temperatures were in the upper 40s, low 50s. Again, this is the very early season for the Norwegian cruise season. If you go in a couple weeks, you know, or even in June, I'm sure that it'll warm up considerably. And if you go later in the summer, like you know July, I'm sure it's much, much warmer there. But I like that. I like the colder weather. But it was very comfortable. And again, even if you go in July, it's not going to be like anything like you know hot like the Mediterranean. Um, it, it was very comfortable. It was very beautiful. And I enjoyed every aspect of it. And it is a beautiful scenery. It's not as sweeping um, as Alaska. I felt like Alaska is a little more majestic in, sen- in the sense that you're constantly surrounded by these giant mountains and glaciers. Norway is a little more serene. It doesn't have quite the elevation of Alaska, unless you're actually in a fjord. Um, then then it just certainly felt like Alaska, especially in Geranger. But... Um, it, it just didn't compare, especially because, number one, there's a lot more civilization. People actually live in Norway. Um, I mean, granted, Olden and the town of Granger were very very sparsely populated, but you would pass through large population centers. Heck, even going into the fjord, there were towns. Whereas when you sail into Dawes Glacier, there's nothing. It's just mountains. Also, unlike Alaska, there's no wildlife in Norway. Nothing. I mean, I'm not. I'm, there's nothing. There is sheep and seagulls. That's it. There's no eagles, there's no bears, there's no moose. If they do exist here, they are nowhere near. You're not seeing any of them. The locals don't even talk about them. Whereas in Alaska, you're seeing whales, you're seeing bears, you're seeing... I mean, you're going to see so many eagles in Alaska, it's going to become like, okay, I don't care about seeing another bald eagle, right? Um, The animal wildlife aspect is so much better in Alaska. But what's great about Norway is you have, well, like I said, civilization. You have real cities. You have real opportunities for culture. Um, there's a lot more history in Norway than there is in Alaska. And so from that aspect of it, I really did enjoy it. There was much better cell phone coverage in Norway. (laughs) Um, Sailing through the fjords, there was great cell phone coverage the entire time, whereas in Alaska, good luck. You know, unless you're actually in the city, you're not getting anything. That's a minor point, but it was important to me. It was nice to have. So overall, I really enjoyed my Norway cruise. It was great. I wish my family could have come here. I would have loved to take them again. Uh, to, or take them so I can go again, because I think it's a really, really, really fun place to explore. And I'll admit our itinerary was not necessarily the best itinerary out there. There's many different variations on it, just like Alaska. And I think that in the grand scheme of our itinerary, there might have been better ports to go to besides the ones that we went to. I mean, there's a lot of different other cities, you know, Stavanger and um, a variety of other fjords. So I feel like we could have actually, there's still more to do here in Norway. And so um, I'd love to go back. And I would tell you this, if you're interested in something different and you don't necessarily want a hot and sweaty cruise in the summer, Norway really does deliver on this. The only problem with Norway in the short term is going to be, uh, I believe there's a lot of talk about Norway banning cruise ships as you get into 25 and 2026. That remains to be seen. So if you're interested in Norway, definitely want to act on it quickly. But Uh, In the meantime, it was wonderful, and I really had a nice time. All right, friends, time to answer your listener emails. By the way, if the microphone sounds weird or different on this episode, it's because I am testing out a new microphone. 
apologies. I think it's going to sound fine, but I mean, you know, it's going to sound different from the other episodes, so just keep that in mind. But anyway, time to answer some emails. I'm way behind on emails. We'll start with an email from Karen from Austin, Texas. Hi, Matt. We're booked on Allure this season out of Galveston. And this is, thanks to one of your older blog posts, I learned that this is the President's Cruise. That'll be an unexpected new experience. I have a question about internet on alert. We splurged and booked a two-bedroom grand suite, and I thought one of the suite perks is free internet for each person booked in the suite. But when I made my final payment, there was no mention of internet being included in my invoice. Should be worried about mutiny for my teens. Uh, no, actually, you are correct. Internet is included. It's part of the Sky Class benefits that you're going to be getting, just not listed in your invoice. So that is not unusual. And Alert does have Starlink, by the way. So you're good to. In fact, all the Royal Caribbean cruise ships at this point should have Starlink at, at this point. And uh, Karen says, one more question. Is there a way to prepay gratuities? I don't see the option in the cruise planner. Correct. You need to either contact your travel agent to prepay gratuities, or if you book through Royal Caribbean directly, they need to give them a call. Next is an email from John Burns, who writes, Hi, Matt. I booked on board with the $200 deposits transfer to MEI travel when I get home. For me, non-refundable is the way to go. Love the podcast. And thank you for the email, John. You know, when it comes to the refundable versus non-refundable cruise fares, there's advantages and disadvantages to both. I generally recommend refundable cruise fares to everybody for one reason, and that's that I think for a lot of people, their plans are fluid, meaning they're not sure yet necessarily with 100% certainty they're going to go on a cruise. And I think for most people, ha having the ability to get a full refund if they change their mind is a worthwhile investment, if you will. Now, again, I get it in some cases the difference between refundable and non-refundable is significant. And the fee, the, the, the change fee for non-refundable, uh, if you make a change, is sometimes <laughs> better than... Uh, the, the cost difference between refundable cruise fare, but that's, of course, assuming how to learn your party and, of course, how many changes you're going to be making. And, of course, you incur that change fee for non-refundable cruise fare if you change your sale date or shift or both. Next question is coming to us from Ryan. Hi, Matt. If Royal Green gave you the final say as which specialty restaurants, free and upcharge, to have an utopia of the seas, which would you choose and which would you leave out? Oh, man. Boy, oh boy. Um, all right, well, obviously off the bat, I'm gonna say two specialty restaurants need to be new concepts. I'm gonna give Royal Caribbean uh, a, a free reign with two restaurant concepts so that we're gonna get two new ideas, okay? And what are those? I don't know, but we'll put two out there. Uh, Izumi, hibachi, slash sushi has to be a must. Uh, chops, I mean, it's not my, I, I, I personally, I don't eat red meat much anymore, so chops is kind of not in my wheelhouse, but look, I understand most people do like chops. Hard to go around with things. So I'm going to say Chops Grill, 150 Central Park. Um, I would say the two venues that I said that Real Grammy can redo, I would definitely replace Wonderland, and I would replace... Ooh. Ooh. I'm going to go big. I'm going to say Playmaker. I, no, keep Playmakers. Johnny Rockets. That's a wishful. That's been a wish of mine for a long time. But I'm going to say Johnny Rockets swap out for something new. Playmaker stays on the boardwalk. Uh, Giovanni's Italian Kitchen comes back to uh, the Central Park. We've got Wonderland replaced with some other new concept we're going to work on. And Portside Barbecue. Got to have that on there. In terms of the free ones, I mean, you know, you got Sorrento's, you got the Mean Dining Room, Windjamer, um, and Loco Fresh. Those are, those are like, I can't even imagine those four not being on a new ship going forward. It seems like it's just a must-have right now. And our last email today is from Courtney. 
I'll be going on my first ever cruise, and I'll be on Quantum of the Seas to Alaska. Your videos and podcasts have been a huge help in the planning process. From you, I've learned about the Royal Luck program, and we successfully won upgrades to a junior suite at a great discount. FYI, we were notified that we won the upgrade 47 days prior to sailing, which seems way earlier than most people report finding out. I've been doing some research on the perks that come with having a junior suite, and there's a lot of conflicting information online regarding if junior suites qualify for a priority boarding or not. And if so, how does priority boarding work? Uh, do we get a special early boarding time or is it just an express line? Let's stop right there. She has some other questions. The answer is it does qualify for priority boarding. Even though it's not a, a full suite, it's still considered a suite for the purposes of boarding. So when you get to your cruise terminal, you'll probably see uh, two lines. One is the regular line and one is people when staying in a suite or pinnacle, and you'll go in the suite line. On your set sail pass, it should show you like suite or something to that effect listed there. Uh, and Courtney's second question is, I've been booking online activities online, and I was surprised at how quickly some of the onboard activities sold out, most notably the North Star and Ripcord about iFly. Will more time slots open up for these activities on board, or have I missed my chance? Thanks for all the help and information. And the answer is, there will still be opportunities to book things on board. I was just on Anthem of the Seas, as you heard in this episode, and there were lots of opportunities to rebook on board. I think Royal Caribbean kind of realizes that they can't offer all the slots in advance because there's a certain subset of people that are Johnny on the spot and they book really early and most people are not like that and they can't put everybody at a disadvantage. So I think you'll be fine. My recommendation though, Courtney, is when you get on board the ship, as soon as you get on board, connect to the Royal Caribbean Wi-Fi, you need to do that in order to make reservations through the app. Then open the app and then uh, check for reservations. When I was on Anthem, and apologies, I recorded the, the main part of the episode and these questions separately by a couple days, so I don't remember what I said necessarily, but um, on Anthem, the slots for North Star would come up every day at seven o'clock for the next day. So keep that in mind for Quantum as well. Thank you to Courtney for the email. Thank you to everybody for checking out this episode of the Royal Green Blog Podcast. If you can, if I can answer a question for you, uh, you can always email me, matt at royalgreenblog.com. Matt, M-A-T-T, at royalgreenblog.com. Until next time, I'm Matt. We'll talk again real soon.